Observer, Harbinger of Death, Alien, Cryptid, Cursed Land. What is this strange creature that's seen in Point Pleasant and prior to a vast amount of human catastrophes? Tonight, we will take on the legend and the lore of the Mothman. So sit back and relax and enjoy our story time. Good evening, everyone. This is Jill and Joe, your favorite two conspiracy theorists. And tonight, we're going to talk about the Mothman. Hi, guys. <laughs> it's been a while. We're back. Yep. New year, new us. New year, new me, right? <laughs> yep. So, we're going to talk about the Mothman. We've touched on it before, right? Yep. We have some interesting info. Lots of interesting info. So tell me what what do you know out the gate about the Mothman? Well, I know there's a fancy movie with Richard Gere. Okay, so hold that thought real quick. When we were doing research, I was noticing there is a huge difference between the actual lore of the Mothman versus the Mothman prophecies. Did you know that Yeah, I did a lot of the... I did a lot of the Mothman research. I didn't watch the movie again. I saw it a while ago, and it was kind of spooky. Yeah. But they really attributed it to, like, it being a harbinger, I guess is what they call it, the warning people. Right. That's what they did with the movie. Um, but the actual lore is a little bit different. Um, right. I guess this was going on in the late 60s, right? Yes. So yep. we had a, a bunch of people, a bunch of sightings, and I believe it was Point Pleasant. Mm-hmm. Which is in West Virginia, is that right? Yep. And yep. people were getting really freaked out because they were seeing it constantly, persistently. Mm-hmm. Like it was, you would see it, like he could almost see it on call. People would go driving down the road, they'd see it flying down the road. Um, There's a specific area called the TNT area. Mm-hmm. They would go and they would see not only the uh, Mothman. But there was mm-hmm. also a huge UFO flap occurring. Oh man! Okay. That time. So then that touches on the other things, but uh, the Mothman. A lot of people saw him. This big ten-foot thing with wings and red eyes, and uh-huh. he perched up on the old power plant, staring down at people. Um, he apparently jumped on a couple's car. These kids were out and they're hanging out. And jumped on the car and they freaked the fuck out. Okay, um, so you know a lot. You know a lot of stuff. <laughs> I've seen some stuff. Okay. Well, let's start at the beginning. Okay. Okay, so we know that the Mothman has been seen in West Virginia. So Point Pleasant is sort of the um, the starting point of this lore. But we'll get into a little bit of extra history about that later. But let's talk about the first sighting. So the very first documented sighting of the Mothman was on November 12th, um, 1966. And apparently five men were preparing a grave um, for burial. And they saw a large 
brown winged creature uh, far off into the trees and it was just watching them and when they all took notice and they started kind of like hey do you see that do you see that it um, lifted up and went beyond the trees and um, flew away they the account was that it looked like a humanoid in um, so a humanoid with big huge wings okay um, so that was November 12th November 15th um, I'm sorry November 16th um, the Point Pleasant Register um, published a report called um, couple sees man-sized bird creature something and the national press picks it up and the story spreads across the United States so that's sort of um, how it started in Point Pleasant um, and then how it picks up uh, national news but the sightings were from November 15th I'm sorry November 12th through December 15th of 1967. So 66 to 67, almost a full year of people in Point Pleasant seeing this creature. Right. Pretty consistently too, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, so November 15th, um, in 1966, two young couples from Point Pleasant, their names were Roger and Linda Scarberry, and then Steve and Mary Mallet, told the police that they saw a large gray creature whose eyes glowed red. Um, and when the cars, I guess they were driving, and the car's headlights picked up on the creature, and that's when they saw the figure, and his eyes were glowing red. So they went to the police and uh, documented that story, and that was their account with it. And it just took off after it was in the middle of the street, and they were driving towards it, and it just flew away. Um, it is described as a large man-looking thing with a wingspan of about 10 feet. Uh, and... Back to your TNT story, in that area, um, there were a lot of sightings from, I guess, like um, different people that would go there. Apparently, during the heyday, the TNT area was called that because why? Um, it was a munitions depot in West Virginia. Mm -hmm. During World War II, they would store munitions in this area. So, if you've ever seen a munitions depot, there's a bunch of little buildings. And sometimes they're like little domes or whatever, and they stack munitions in there. So, if one of them goes boom, it doesn't affect all the other ones. Um, but yeah, it's a rural area. It was abandoned at that point in time. Um, so, like all the town people and kids like to go hang out because it's a place to, you know, goof off in. And, uh, right. All the exciting So. Well, and a fun fact on that specific area in um, 1979, much later, um, some fishermen were in the TNT area and reported that 
they had seen maybe like a chemical leak and they were it was seeping into the pond into the surrounding area so that area became um, labeled as an environmental disaster so by 1983 the TNT area was among the country's most popular um, polluted sites so that's another interesting little thing that happens in that specific area so remember that and then we'll get back to that later um so over the next few days other people reported seeing something really similar um to the to the reports that these other couples had been seeing two volunteer firemen saw a large bird with red eyes but the sheriff of the area thought that it could be um a large crane perhaps a bird that um it's a real spindly bird with big long arms mm-hmm. right but it doesn't look nothing like a mothman a mothman was big and thick right and i mean and let's be fair apparently it's not really a good um description to be calling it a mothman like a lot of people uh, said that it's more like a big owl, more or less. Um, and then I guess there was a contractor. Um, his name was Newell Partridge, and he was in a field somewhere, and he shined his flashlight at it because he thought he saw something. And when he did, it... Um, its eyes, I guess, reflected in the flashlight. And he, he said that it reminded him of, like, bicycle reflectors, like that kind of flashing. Um, and here's an interesting thing. It made a buzzing noise similar to noises from his TV. Now, <laughs> for all of us OGs, back in the day when television was cut off at the end of the night, when you would get snow, all the channels had turned off for the night and you'd get that buzzing snow sound on your TV that's sort of like what he was saying um, it sounded like and I guess yeah like a white noise and then I guess um, in that same area he would take his dog his German Shepherd um, walking and like let him loose and run around and his dog never came back he searched and searched and searched for him, but he never, um, he never came back. So there's, um, some wildlife biologists, I guess, that went and took a look in the area and they were sort of, their take on it was that it could have been a big, um, it's called a sandhill crane, as a matter of fact. And like you said, it's large and it can be as tall as a man with, Possibly like a seven-foot wingspan on that particular bird. And some of those birds have a reddish coloring around their eyes. So that's one theory by the wildlife uh, department. Um, but they're not reflective like everybody seems to. Exactly. And it's not... Uh, it's said that the Mothman, when it is on the ground... People have seen it uh, walking, and it sort of, like its wings, um, 
encompass each other and it sort of shuffles like a penguin when it's walking. But then when it does take flight, um, it stands straight up and shoots straight up in the air at like a high rate of speed and then just takes off to wherever it's going. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. So during that time... Right. Oh, I was going to say, just fun fact. (laughs) That... um, during the 60s, and I was uh, told that the Batman series, the Batman TV series was popular, right? So they had a character in the Batman TV series, but more prevalent in the Batman comics. Um, and his name was the Killer Moth. So they're saying that the Mothman was given the Mothman name because of the Batman um, TV show. Now, I was corrected because apparently this episode did not ever air, but it was prevalent in the comic books, so I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if, um, you know, people were naming it the Mothman because they had already read the comic, so that's just a little, a little fun fact for you. Mm-hmm, yeah. Yep. So we had hundreds of sightings of the Mothman. Some of them are pretty scary. Some of them, you know, I mean, there's too many to go through, but I mean, people were really right. freaked but those out. Those are documented ones. People were really freaked out in this small town, small area. Um, it created quite a buzz. It got national attention. Well, okay, right. Mm hmm. Yep. Um, so it really, really spooked the town out, especially back there where late 60s. I mean, how do people deal with that? They've never dealt with that before. Yes. Now, in um, okay, so we know well, okay, so there was a huge um, bridge collapse. It was called the Silver Bridge um, Collapse, and we have uh, 40, what, 48 people were killed. Um, it was in 1967. So that was the last sighting of the Mothman. Um, was, well, he's still being seen, but. It kind of died. Yeah, it kind of died off. Right. So you, you um, to- but. Right on December 15th in 1967, the bridge collapsed uh, under the weight of rush hour traffic. So you had 46 people that were killed and two people were never found. So I looked into the collapse of this bridge and how these suspension bridges are made. And um, basically... It's failure of a single eye bar in a suspension chain that was due to like a little tiny small defect in, um, that was about 0.1 inches deep in one of the little um, eye bars. So the bridge basically was carrying a much heavier load than what it was originally designed for. And it also was poorly maintained. So that particular bridge was replaced in 69 by a silver memorial bridge. 
um, at the time of the construction of this bridge, of this particular bridge, suspension bridges, um, this bridge was um, being built for about a hundred years. So it wasn't anything new. However, with the tiny defect in it, the fact that it was carrying more weight than what's normal because of rush hour traffic um, and due to the poor um, inspections, it's a, it's just a hot mess waiting to happen. Bad news. So, okay, so a suspension bridge is constructed from redundant bars using uh, rows between four and six bars. And sometimes um, you get bars that sometimes are not as quality as some of the other ones, but the links can be um, composed of sometimes more than two bars or sometimes less than or just at two bars. So it depends on the high the high strength of the steel, I guess. And sometimes, I guess, it's two times the strength of what a regular common steel is, is what I heard. So this steel that they're using to make these eye bars and things like that are supposed to be way stronger than the average steel, than what we have. Um, so... With the excessive amount of loading, it can cause a total failure in the infrastructure. And that's basically what has happened with that. So an example of a successful um, bridge, a successful suspension bridge would be the Brooklyn Bridge. And that's successful because they anticipated so much traffic and so many um, people going back and forth on it. They constructed it with more bars. They overbuilt it. Right. So after the collapse of the Silver Bridge, I guess a lot of attention was placed on the condition of the older bridges. And I guess a lot of them were replaced after this incident. They were either rebuilt or they just were replaced with regular bridges instead of a suspension bridge. So the Mothman made his Okay, so back to the harbinger of why people think the Mothman's there is because or possibly due to this um, human tragedy. So we think he was there as like a harbinger like you said trying to alert people perhaps just something bad's gonna happen you know i don't in in my when i very first heard about the mothman i wasn't sure necessarily if he was there to warn people or just to observe because it's not like okay like say for instance let's talk about different types of entities that will warn you of something that's coming like a banshee for instance okay you know right in irish folklore if you hear a banshee crying someone in your family is going to die that's a harbinger to me right 
But a Mothman, in my opinion, is just an observer. If you can put two and two together and know that they're around when something happens, then, you know, yeah, okay, that technically could be a harbinger, but he's not letting you know that something is going to happen. It's not like he's sitting perched on the bridge, you know, saying, hey, something's going to go down here. Directing traffic. Right. So, in that time, there was also some other stuff going on, right? Setting a big okay. UFO flap. Lots of people were seeing UFOs. Um, in that area? area. Um, they were seeing okay. cigar-shaped UFOs, lights, orbs, all over the place. Um, and another weird thing that occurred about 10 days before the bridge collapsed was the story of Ingrid Cold. Oh boy, okay. Now we've heard that name before, right? We've heard that name in... before in that show, what was it, Hellier? Hellier? Uh-huh, right. Um, it had a lot of uh, occult ties to, um, God, what was that guy's name? Um, Alistair Crowley? Crowley, yes. Um, <laughs> but the story is, is that uh, there's a gentleman driving down the road Woodrow Derringer was driving down the road and this machine, this spaceship, cut him off and then they had a conversation. Um, one of the weird things about him, Ingrid Cold, was that he had this persistent smile. Um, he talked telepathically to Woodrow. Um, the big thing was when he, after he had this experience, he, he talked to people about it. Everybody, you know, started freaking out. He was on the radio, you know, the, the story took off. Um, okay, so, okay, hold on. So, Ingrid Cole, is that a person? So, is that a, a alien? What is what what is what are we talking about here? A few ideas of what he could be. Essentially, they believe he was an alien. Um, so okay. So he was uh, somehow tied to Men in Black. Have been now. Just so we're clear, he's got like this crazy uh, Joker face. Yes. So it's like a, a persistent okay. smile. Like he's just smiling, right? And he just shows up he wherever. Shows up in his really weird little vehicle, he it's it's hovering. <laughs> he gets out of his vehicle. Okay. It's kind of like a car, but not a car. He jumps out. He talks to this guy telepathically. He's got this weird smile on his face. He's asking about. You know some of the towns that are around him what people do um while he's talking to him <laughs> this little spaceship you know shoots up about 40 feet in the air and it's just hovering up there um okay the i think the reason this story got a lot of um why it was believed is because there were other witnesses that saw this happen like people saw this dude talking to this guy in the truck um they saw UFOs okay. in the area, uh, lights, weird lights are happening during the time that, that conversation was occurring. Um, so he gets back in his little little space saucer and just takes off, you know. But another okay. part of the story is that over the years, supposedly Woodrow had many, many conversations with this cold um, over his life. Yeah. But 
some of it is just a stretch. Some of it's a stretch. But the only thing, like when I first heard his interview, I kind of thought he was full of shit. Uh-huh. But then you're hearing okay. people like, oh, we have, you know, we saw the lights, you know, they kind of lend credence to his story. So then you kind of wonder, well, what is it? And some of the people in Hellular, they kind of ran with it, used it to go chase down um, the other guy. What was his name? Crowley. And then sort of uh-huh. the whole occult vibe to it. But anyway, in other stories, you will hear of men in black that had that persistent smile. They're kind of not of the earth. Really? I've oh, never heard that. It's, it's a thing. So I was watching this. I just thought they all looked like Will Smith. <laughs> And Tommy Lee. Some of them do. <laughs> but I mean, so, and then another story out of Point Pleasant was when these UFOs were being seen and everybody's, you know, getting freaked out because of the Mothman. There were sightings uh-huh. of men in black all over the place. Um, they would come right. to people's houses. There were. They would be quiet. Don't talk about what you're seeing. Um, and right. they had said, you know, that they resembled um, Indrid Cole. And another guy said that he had saw a character similar to Ingrid Cole, Indrid Cole in the middle of the road waving at him so he could talk to him, but he said no, and he just took off. <laughs> so it's not that they're... I don't blame him. I, don't so blame him. I would too. The story of Indrid Cole isn't directly tied to Mothman. John Keel, who wrote the book, The Mothman Prophecies. Okay, yeah, let's talk about John Keel in a second. They, but yeah. They tied them together and they've always been linked together somehow. But technically they okay. weren't. They just occurred in the same time. But that was a two weird things to happen in close proximity to each other. It was about 90 miles away or something like that, but there was pretty close to each other. Um, Okay, so over the next 13 months after the um, bridge collapse, there were an estimated 100 more sightings of the Mothman. Just randomly throughout um, West Virginia, not necessarily in Point Pleasant. Some in Point Pleasant, um, but in that area. So that's where around that time there were a lot of people who were saying they were being harassed by men in black who warned them not to speak about the mothman so what's your take on that what why men in black don't want people to be talking about the mothman but the mothman's out so he's like they need to like go cover up like they can't control it you know it's 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 unusual are they like leaders? I don't know. It's how can I explain it? It's uh, it's weird to have all those different, all that strangeness, all that high strangeness to happen in a certain area, and even to even now mm-hmm. in the Appalachias and all that stuff, you have a lot mm-hmm. of UFO sightings. It just does not stop. It is persistent. Right. And I believe even today, people still claim to see the Mothman. I believe in as late as two twenty. 2016, someone claimed to have taken a picture of one. Mm-hmm. Um, where... Right. Well, okay. there are... Um, okay, so there's a ufologist that claims that there had been some sightings of the Mothman in Moscow. Yeah. And it foreshadowed the 1999 Russian apartment building bombings. 
So what happened with that is there was a series of explosions that hit four apartment blocks in Russia in September, and it killed more than 300 people and injured more than a thousand. Um, and I guess with that happening, and then there was a kidnapping of some Chechnyan rebels that happened in March. Um, and then an invasion in August, and then the apartment bombing happens. All of that triggers the second Chechnyan war, and the Mothman has been seen there right before the apartment bombings. Also, in like you said, in 2016, there is a photo that's published of the Mothman uh, by a man that's driving on Route 2 in West Virginia. And um, he is also seen, there's some, there was some sort of mining accident where he showed, or he was around the mining camp of some miners and then there was a mine collapse. He was also seen at the Chernobyl plant before the uh, Chernobyl incident. And of course, there were two pictures that you can find if you Google it of the Mothman taken on 9-11. Oh, really? Well, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, you gotta wonder. So... Oh, and there's some sort of... I guess there was a big, huge Minnesota bridge collapse as well that he was seen at. Well, I mean, you always have these types of events, these flaps, these cryptids in really mm-hmm. weird areas. Oh, and part of... So we'll get back to the high strangeness geographic locations um, we're talking about you know the makeup of the land that they live on the, the transient nature right. of the people um, or water um, all of these play a factor supposedly um, with all the sightings and then you get back into so let's talk about you know a little bit of hellier we're dealing with um, the mammoth cave system we're dealing with all this stuff that kind of bundles together and you have you know, cryptids that are showing up out of nowhere. Um, we're having UFO mm-hmm. flaps where UFOs are showing up all the time. We're having men in black showing up. Um, all based in certain areas where you have a bunch of things that just come together. And one of the things that I thought was interesting mm-hmm. about the Mothman is that two kids, or one kid was walking, and he looked up and he was looking in a house, an abandoned house, he sees the figure and he sees the red eyes and he's sitting there staring mm-hmm. and he's locked into it and a friend comes up you know throws a rock at at it to scare it away or whatever and then it disappears because that's what kids do they're dumbasses like that so okay then they go into the house because why wouldn't get why would why not that? and what they mm-hmm. saw on the floor was what tripped me out was a three-toed print several of them three-toed prints on the concrete on the floor in that house where it was at so that goes back to the kentucky goblins you know the little red-eyed creatures the kentucky goblins that were running around with their three toes in the in the down there in the holler you know they were were little little Little. with their three toes (laughs) you know so right. it's weird how all of this stuff, like if you start pulling back, 
so are kind of relates. Are owls? Owls? Yeah, are they? Do they have three toes? What does an owl print yeah, look like? I don't know. Well, and I also think that along with that, um, also goes back to those TNT bunkers. They're called igloos. Um, and kids get in there, right, all the time to party, get high, whatever, drink, do kid stuff. Um, and apparently in some of those tunnels, they have found, uh, sorry, igloos. They have found tunnels, but in there, there are, of course, um, different sigils and satanic drawings, which, okay, that's fine. But what caught my attention was that they have sacrificial tables in there. Like they're sacrificing something to something. So think about that. Now think about when we talked about, um, okay, so we talked, okay, so we talked about Hellier and there is, uh, tunnels that they say that people are sacrificing things in those tunnels for something. Well, for in Hellier, it's about the horned God, whatever. Um, but then we did a story on Helltown where, uh, they were, sacrificing things for the Wendigo in those tunnels and or in that area but there are tunnels leading from Hellier to um, Ohio where Helltown is to also Point Pleasant so the, that Mammoth Cave system uh, for one, which we talked about before, they still haven't even gotten as deep as it can go. Um, and it literally spreads across the United States because it is the biggest um, cave system, underground cave system in America. So the fact that at these three entry points or exit points you've got sacrifices you've got stuff coming out of these tunnels possibly you've got people seeing different um, cryptids coming in and out um, is not concerning but it's it's, um, it's interesting well, there is also a large occult undercurrent I guess in those areas from talk to people well, yes and okay yes there is absolutely because there's always going to be an occultish undertone but some of that undertone looks like families from hundred generation after generation appeasing whatever it is that's coming out of that tunnel so it doesn't do any extra damage that it could be doing do you know what I'm saying? Themselves. Well, and maybe possibly humanity <laughs> or the area, whatever. Um, the other thing I thought was interesting is that with the Mothman, people who are in its vicinity 
suffer from psychological distress and extreme fear and a, they have this um, sort of strange uh, noise that's buzzing in their head all the time sort of like the guy was talking about his television but that's in their heads so and it lasts it can last for uh, months or even years and there was a woman who said she had an encounter or saw the mothman whatever and she looked into its eyes as it was you know as she was driving and um, she said that she got the sense of pure evil that uh, came over her when she looked into its eyes and its favorite activity just <laughs> as a you know fun thing that it likes to do apparently is chase cars but it's not only known to fly in front of the car, sometimes he likes to jump on the roof of your car. Mm-hmm. So that's always fun. <laughs> okay, so you mentioned um, geographical and geological um, issues with the land but in that um, area there was um, a curse apparently that people are saying could be the reason why this specific area is so is such a hotbed for disaster and they're saying that this is part of the reason why the Mothman um, could be could be there, and that there's been so much tragedy in that specific area. <clears throat> so, um, about two centuries before the Mothman ever appeared in West Virginia, the land and the land around the Ohio River. So, you know, the um, West Virginia, I guess that river that flows where the bridge was that's west virginia and then the ohio river right it connects those two that's what the bridge was doing so um back two centuries ago basically you have the american colonies and they're trying to push forward through the appalachians and make their way west and right there's you know, the Battle of Britain and the Battle of um, with the Native Americans who already inhabited the land. And in that area was a chief named um, Chief Cornstalk. And he sort of was like the chief of the entire um, Shawnee Nation in that specific area. And um, he, the, the Shawnees fought with um, the British forces and they sort of were an alliance to get, I guess, I think France out of the way. And um, everything was fine. They fought together, but then something happened and the colonies had some 
and their soldiers were ambushed by some Indians. So they took um, Cornstalk and his son and they put them in, you know, like a brigade or whatever. And some of the soldiers decided to exact revenge on for the killing of their um, soldiers, even though he had nothing to do with it. They just needed to take out their anger on someone. So they, um, I guess they murdered um, his son and, um, and him. But I guess it took like eight shots or something super crazy before he um, actually was killed. And before it said, this is legend, um, he put a curse on the land and um, on the people who were going to be inhabiting that area after him. So some people are saying that his curse, which I will not repeat, <laughs> even though you can find it, um, his curse, I guess, is part of the reason why there's so much tragedy in that area. But I guess also the Indians um, thought of that part of West Virginia as being very, very haunted. And they um, drew pictures of um, creatures appearing and disappearing. Um, some looked like a Bigfoot. Um, some were said, you know, to possibly be banshees. Um, they're saying that there's possibly maybe a window uh, between the dimensions that are is a portal in that specific area, I guess. But this goes back centuries and centuries ago, not just in what's happening with the Mothman. So, you mentioned that. Let's go to Utah for a minute. And in Utah, okay. we have the same scenario. We have the Skinwalker Ranch, which is in an area of Utah. It's like a little basin. And there's Navajo tribes and stuff like that. And the Skinwalker Ranch, if people are familiar, it's, it's, it's another area of high strangeness that's been documented. Cattle mutilations. Okay. Giant... We're also talking Wendigo, too, possibly, right? Also Not just a skinwalker. Um, UFOs. Um, I already said cattle mutilations. Um, really right. weird. Um, radioactive events, lights, all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. Supposedly, right. over here in Utah, at one point in time, there was a curse put on that land. And ever since then, the Indians, the native cultures have always experienced really weird stuff here, and even to today. So, okay. and it was investigated by the government. There's a real estate mogul that owns it now, and he did a show, but there's all kinds of stuff like this. That stuff carries over. Um, the curses, you know, the high strangeness, they, they talk about the same thing. There's portals that appear in midair and things walk out of it and walk back into it um, 
like a Bigfoot, so, I mean, who knows? I mean, if, if this is a real thing, who's to say that they can't curse the land in more areas than just one, you know what I mean? Well, not to mention the fact that you have tribes, the Algonquins, um, the Cheyenne, the, um, the Shawnees, you have a vast amount of different, um, even the Mayans, you've got different cultures um, actually drawing things that look exactly like the things that we're still seeing today. And you've already talked about your uh, theory that it's possible that Bigfoot can travel between right. the in between. Yeah. Right? So there's a big theory that there's these creatures, these cryptids, okay. you know, more than big Bigfoot are transdimensional, meaning they can phase in and out. One of the big theories is that our eyes only mm -hmm. experience a certain spectrum of light and that there's a whole wide infrared, okay. you know, that we don't see. That's also, you know, when you get into UFOs, they also talk about how they exist in this other plane. We don't see them because we only see a narrow pan, but they're here all the time. So theoretically, if that's true, you know, they're already here. They just shift in and out. Um, like that one story we talked about with the Bigfoot where the lady's up in her blind, you know, hunting deer, and she sees right. know, the predator thing. Basically, it's, 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 it looks like you can see through it, but it just looks like, you know, this mirror moving through the trees. You know, so... That's a possibility. Well, and... Okay, so I said it can travel into the in-between. So, remind me about water. Um, so, a lot of these things occur in where there's water. So, we also have, mm -hmm. like, uh, so much... So we're talking about areas where high strangeness occurs um, in, for instance, in Utah at Skidwalker Ranch, there's a creek that runs through it. Um, we can expand on that. We can go talk to, you know, Missing 411. And he's got criteria of people that disappear and Bigfoot experiences that occur right. on, you know, large granite slabs near water, running water. Um, that's something that the water has to do with transitional area. Um, the Ohio River, Point Pleasant. Um, there, it, so it kind of links all these things together. So it, it makes you wonder, you know, why that occurs in those areas, what happens, what it is about the water that, that facilitates these types of occurrences. Back to the Mothman, now that we just got off on a different tangent. Um, so let's talk about the Mothman prophecies and John Keel's book versus um, what just, you know, like what the sightings and things like that that are happening in Point Pleasant. He wrote, he traveled to um, Point Pleasant and uh, wrote a book about the Mothman prophecies 
specifically because prophecies meaning his presence in an area was a like you said a harbinger of things to come um like there was going to be a great um human catastrophe that was going to happen um and i haven't read the book but i did watch the movie so i don't know how close those two are to being the same but um it did his book did claim that there are supernatural events related to the sightings as well as a connection to the collapse of the suspension bridge um the silver bridge so by the way the silver bridge was called the silver bridge because it was named after the paint color <laughs> just so you know i know you are always wondering why it was called the silver bridge and now you never have to wonder again you're welcome so You're John welcome. Was a UFO, I know. UFOologist like Alan Hynek and Jacques Vallée. Um, he did uh, articles. He wrote right. stories. Um, he was big into UFOs, and some of the stuff that he was into was kind of, kind of freaking weird. Um, but he hit his stride when he did the Mothman prophecies. But he never saw it, never experienced it. All of his information mm-hmm. was secondhand. He right. was a reporter in. Um, right. Point Pleasant, I can't remember her name, Mary or yep. something, who was really big right. documenting yep. as much as possible. The, her paper that she worked for. And I think she wrote that, didn't she write the, yeah, didn't she work for the Point Pleasant Register? And, the register, and she wrote that article, I think, in 1966. Yeah. But she took it seriously documented as much as you can she i don't know how mm-hmm. she met keel or where that occurred but they got together and they started you know doing interviews and gathering information and he at some point kind of just backed off of it because it was i don't know if there was too much notoriety or something um but he did go back right. and visit it one last time but he was into some he considered himself a Fordian. I can't even describe like a truth seeker or something like that. They would go out and, and find information, but he had some really bizarre ideas about stuff that was going on out there. Um, monsters, ghosts, demons, fairies, like he was all over. Okay, and I I think too he had just had written a bunch of notes um, and articles that he had accumulated and then I think his publisher was like no you need to write a book on this and so he just gathered all of his information that he had been collecting like he never intended I don't think to write a Mothman uh, book at all until you know until it started getting really big and then the reporter or the his publisher was like no you need to write this book the whole pop culture of the UFO thing because um, he's the one that termed men in black. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the one that came up with, you know, the whole um, Mothman thing. Um, and he's got a, a bunch of other ideas. Um, he He's a bit of a conspiracy theorist. He, he thinks that there's non-humans on the earth that are causing um, events to make certain things happen um, 
Right, because he wrote a book called The um, Operation Trojan Horse, in this, right? So that's about um, UFOs and things, right? David Letterman, long, a little snip, a little uh, clip, and he was talking about how he thinks you um, uh-huh. are not UFOs, but dinosaurs are still inhabit certain areas of the earth. Um, how he was always curious about, you know, stuff like natural. Things that would occur, strange things like, you know, when it would rain red, or when rocks would fall from the sky, or frogs would drop out of the out of clouds and stuff like that. So that's he looked at everything, all kinds of stuff. So it's kind of hard to figure out what was. A lot of it's nonsense. Yeah. Oh, and he talked about Middle Earth. Some of it's yeah, a little bit much. but he he coined the term ultra terrestrial. So an ultra terrestrial is a UFO occupant that is non-human. It's a non it's a non-human entity capable of right. taking on whatever form they want. So, like so. a man in black? I think so. Okay. But I don't know like I mean, who do they work for? You know, cuz you're going to have you're going to have our, our regular, you know, government agents right. going out and keeping things quiet. You know, you, you, that happened with Project Blue Book. You know, they would send agents out and say, hey, you know, it is, it isn't. You know, we need to pay attention. This is not, you know, seeing what you thought you saw. Um, so there was a concerted effort on our part to shut certain stories down. But on the other hand, we also propagated a lot of those stories like we pushed them out into the ether so people would grab onto them to deflect what we were actually doing with our military industrial complex stuff that we were developing um there was people like um it's the mirage man i can't remember his name uh dody he would his job was to go out and just deliver misinformation um so he would tell all sorts of UFO stories and, and get people all flummoxed and confused. And, and he would like, oh, yeah, you're on the right path. You know, you're, you're, you know, there's UFOs flying out of this mountain at this time. And he would really mess people up, Richard Doty. And he did that for many, many years. So it just, it's confusing that you would have people trying to shut people up. And then you have people trying to... Um, Misinform, misinform everybody so you would think like there, there's two different entities that are working against each other somehow um, like the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing perhaps lots of weird stuff out there so I mean the Mothman is almost a unifier of in my mind, is almost the unifier of all cryptids. I think, I think it sits on a fence where it touches a lot of different things. Because mm-hmm. you have, I mean, in the time frame, it you does. have UFOs, you have men in black, you have right. the whole geological theory, you know, transitional spaces, water, bridges, mm-hmm. um, disenfranchised people. Typically, see things more more often than you know people that have a good life, I guess. Um, so it 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 sits at a point where it touches a lot of different 
um, genres of, of, you know, high right. strangeness, I guess is the only way to call it. But yeah, I mean, it, 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 I mean, you can even get into the fact that some people think that the Mothman was um, developed, that it was an escapee from a government, you know, experiment and that that's even a theory oh uh-huh um, and that's why you had men in black running around you know telling okay. them to be quiet oh so, right that makes sense okay right because what other i mean i haven't really looked into this which maybe now i need to but what other cryptid tales do we have where we got men in black trying to cover their tracks there was there was something in not a lot told the story before about um, I had a cousin who worked uh, for the Air Force and he was a security guard and there was a rumor on his particular base that he was working at that there was this thing that had escaped and it was running around and you know soldiers would see it and would freak out um, but you know it's probably a story soldiers tell each other to keep them you know from falling asleep inside the truck um, oh yeah so okay mm-hmm claims that he was on duty one time and this these pair of dudes that were out you know walking the fence line or driving the fence line had an encounter and then when they got there um, these guys had shit the bed like they were freaked the fuck out like they were completely had gone white you know and they were just losing their minds so what did they see he doesn't know but it's possible that's possible and I think Stephen King even did a bit of a story about something like that, where something had escaped um, a facility, a government facility, and we wreaked havoc on something. I can't remember. I think it was... Mm-hmm. I don't know what that was. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's out there. <sighs> okay, so... As with all of our cryptid tales, do we believe it or do we not? You know, I wouldn't believe it, but for the fact that so many people encountered something, you know? Um, right. There's something to be said about mass hysteria, but then there's something to be said about people, you know, all having their own experience, a hundred experiences in well, not just that, but you've got right. Russia, Minnesota, you know, New York, mm-hmm. um, right? And that's just the documented well, cases. If, if there is this alternate universe style, there is plane where other things exist. I mean, wouldn't it mm-hmm. make sense that there would be more than one thing? You know, it wouldn't just be a Bigfoot. Like, you know, in our existence, there's not just bald eagles. There's like 3,000 different types of birds. Right. There's all different types of terrestrial animals. There's lions and tigers. And, and some that, right, and some that are right. being discovered even, well, and some that are so being uncovered from the past. If this plane exists, like, there would be a whole mess of things that could really ruin your day. So, I mean, I don't think anything's out of the 
realm of possibilities for me. In my mind, I definitely think the Mothman is a thing. Right? <laughs> I do. Well, I think it, I've always thought it was a thing. Let's go find him. No. I'm good off that. <laughs> That's typically my answer to every time we talk about a cryptid. Well, go I am good. Me, I don't need to see it. Uh, hey, bro. Take us up on your ship. That, okay. I would rather see and hang out with the Mothman than ever in my entire life ever see, see Ingrid. Oh, no. Ever. No. Sure. Fine. Great. But that Ingrid Cole thing? No. That's weird. That is scary and I don't like it. That is a no to me. I don't want to see a guy with a crazy Joker face. No. I'm good off that. Thanks. Well, UFOs, that's fine. I don't mind little gray men, see, little Kentucky goblins, but I don't want to see Ingrid Cole. Are, just, I'm good off that. They're clones, no. What did you say? They're robots? What? Yeah. I'll see a gray before I want to see Ingrid Cole. Have you seen that show, The Romanek? Uh, Stan Romanek? I'll make you pee a little. I don't care. I'll make you pee a little. What, so he has what, this what's it about? Where he starts to see graves and he documents it and he has videos and he puts these videos in a movie and it's it's freaky. Yes. Are they like actual videos no, or is it like a recreation video. of the videos? The capture of these things running around his house and it is spooky. So, like a Kentucky yeah. Goblin incident? Okay, it's where's Stan, this at? Stan Romanek's story, I can't remember it. No, 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 where's the, where did it take so place at? he, also, he, um, he had, like, something attack the side of his house. Um, he, but the funny story about Stan, now hear me out, is he <laughs> went through ton of shit to get all this information out. Um, he, you know, documented all this stuff. He claimed he had telepathic communications with these things. Um, but the big thing, and he was an, an alien abductee. That was the other part of the story. Um, but the, he was... And a convicted sex offender, I just saw. Thanks. So, in 2014, <laughs> he was arrested for turning himself in. Um, which is mm -hmm. interesting. Because you hear of stories, and it's a little weird, but you hear of stories where people have things put on their computers. That sounds weird. So I saw right. No, I I know. Right. What was it? Uh, Two Face the Gray. So there's a story of these guys uh -huh. from paranormal. One of them is really popular. He's from Australia. They do, you know, he claims that he saw a ghost. That he proved that there's ghosts. Basically, it's similar to the Amityville, where you see something from, you know, through a doorway. So he's doing this because the Australian government paid him to go and investigate um, Cuckoo Island. What is it? I can't remember what it's called. Um, 
So he's investigating this island with his team. He catches this thing on video. So they go around and they're talking about it to everybody. They're doing shows or promoting the movie. And then they get a bunch of people that are saying, that's not a ghost, that's an alien, that's a gray. What are you doing? Why are you talking about ghosts? You should be talking about aliens. And they're like, no, no, no. I don't, you know, that's, I don't believe that. So one day, this tattooed-faced guy gives him all this information about UFOs, right? He thinks he's crazy. He's like, this guy's nuts. He takes the information and sets it aside. Well, then he gets an email from this other guy who starts saying, I have all of this information, and he gives him this really long story about the U.S. and how UFOs and, and this whole culture has been occurring since, you know, before the Nazis, and he gets into Antarctica, all this stuff, Nazis, Operation Paperclip. It's a really interesting story. So fast forward, he's now he's investigating the possibility that this thing could be an alien, so now he's doing another movie about it. And this is where we get into, it's called Two-Faced, the greatest movie. So now he's going through this movie and he's, he's having all these weird experiences and he's talking about this guy and he tells him the story that this guy told him and this other dude that saw UFOs and all this other stuff. And he... I don't think he really believes in it, but he's got a good story. So, mm-hmm. his buddy, who was working with him, the Australian, he talks about how he had men in black or individuals. They didn't wear dressed in black, but they came to his door and they looked like Indrid Cole. He didn't mention the name, but he said they had a persistent smile on their face. They, oh, you know, okay. slick bag. They were just a just really weird vibe, right? So he's like, he's mm-hmm. spooked. He says, "I've never been intimidated in my life before. Like I was intimidated when they were at my door." They leave this door. He goes to get his phone. Ten seconds later, he's out his front door. He's down a really long driveway. It's about 200 feet. It's a really long driveway. He gets out. They're gone, right? So. Later, you know, the story goes on, he is going back to his house, and he sees them in front of the driveway. So he goes around the back, gets into his yard, and then he takes his camera out, and he takes a picture of the one, and when he goes to take a picture of it, its head is illuminated. And he gets a picture of it, and he puts it on, you see it on the show, it's pretty interesting. Um, so then they continue to go and do, you know, where they go out and they talk about their movies and all this other stuff, and they visit him again. And one of the interesting things that they do is they tell him, you need to stop what you're doing. You need to stop all of this. If you don't, we will put an end to it, and we can and will put stuff on your computer that will get you in trouble. So I'm like, okay, this is weird. I'm watching this story, and these guys don't even believe in UFOs for the most part. And they're tagging on all these things. They're tagging on injured cold men in black. And now the Stan Romanek story, how stuff might have been put on his computer. Um, it's just a weird story. And then when they talk about the timeline about UFOs and the Nazi bell, the Der Glock, and, and Admiral Byrd and Expedition Operation High Jump and all this other stuff and Operation Paperclip and UFOs and all that other stuff. It's a really interesting story coming from people that really don't have a vested interest in the UFOs. So you're wondering 
Where did that come from? You know, why am I watching it now? How did it get put in my lap? So, you gotta wonder. Right. Um, so, <laughs> just looking at um, some of his background. Okay, so in 2000, he was driving. No. Actually, in 2000, he claimed to have um, communication with aliens through a ghost box. Which is something they used in Hellier. So, if any of you. Right, and it's something that they. Uh, a lot of ghost hunters will use um, to talk to the other side with, and that aliens were coming through on that ghost box with him for communication and then he claims that aliens followed his car and visited his home and he experienced telepathic communication with them now in 2003 it says that he woke up from an abduction found himself wearing a lady's flannel nightgown and suspected that he had been abducted and returned in women's clothing he's also claiming that um, the clothing belonged to another abductee named Betty Hill. And um, when asked if the gown he had been tested for Hill's DNA, he claimed he had not because the test was too expensive. So then um, there's also some, in 2009, he did an interview and said that he had physical evidence of an abduction because there was an implant in his leg. Also, another spooky story about dun, him dun, dun. is that when he was abducted, he was abducted with this other lady. And he didn't know who she was. But at some point, they met each other. And they had a shared experience. Mm-hmm of being abducted and is that the Betty woman that he was wearing her pajamas it's not Betty Hill Betty Hill was that's a whole oh, okay. other story Betty Hill oh okay it's like the first abduction that's a whole other thing story ever so and then supposedly they had generated a kid somehow and the kid oh I saw like that Eddie's. okay mm-hmm I don't know, at his house, like down at the street, looking at him or some I don't know, there's a party, he sees the kid, weird story. But yeah, he's got a lot of weird claims, but just watching the the, the movie is interesting. Like I don't lend credence to all of his claims, but this the movie's a little spooky. Especially the videos. Okay, so here it is. He fathered a human alien hybrid offspring. It didn't look normal. It looked a little bit different. Um, like a, um, what did we, yeah. black-eyed children? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, like, that's a thing. Like, people have said that they think that it could be a human-alien so hybrid. Two-Faced to Grey. Um, the, which is on Amazon. Which is on what? So the, the gentleman that did it, one is Craig Bell. Okay. He is from Australia. He 
does a lot of paranormal stuff in Australia. The guy that um, was helping was Chad Kalick. So he's the one that's narrating most of the movie. The one that had the experience with the, the uh, men in black is Craig Powell. Um, they both got all kinds of weird phone okay. calls. People were following him. I think Chad, some guy tried to shoot at him at one point in time. Mm-hmm. And he's just like wigging out, like, why am I researching this stuff? I don't even know it's worth it. Um, but it's an interesting story. You know? Now, don't they talk about Middle Earth? And don't they so, talk about Antarctica? Which is my favorite topic so to talk in, about, by the way. <laughs> in Two Face the Gray, there is, he talks about um, a guy that had emailed him a bunch of stuff. And he said, I got this really crazy story. Um, but here it is. Because he worked for the government and he was briefed on all this stuff. You know, all are. Um, but yes, they talk about how um, there is essentially the Russians wanted to go and take over. It was under Mussolini and Erno Stalin. Stalin had sent a bunch of researchers down to mm-hmm. Antarctica to, you know, basically go in there and take it over and start finding minerals and stuff like that because there's a bunch of stuff that they could use. They were attacked. They came back. Stalin right. them in the brigade because like that, that didn't happen. You guys just don't want to work. So Hitler gets wind of this. Here's the story. He goes down there right. and they fight this bell device it's called the they call it the nazi bell but they had found this bell looking device that was you know attacking them but they shot it down and they brought it back and then they took it and there yeah it was flying was it flying it, took oh, it was in the air bunch of people so they had gotten okay. their hands down there so the last story is that admiral bird went down there operation operation high jump took a shit ton of people like 4,000 dudes down there right planes ships they go down there and they get Operation High Jump like what year it was in the yeah he flies down he, he okay. goes down there he takes a whole group of people I think it was 1947 so he goes down there Okay. And he gets attacked. Um, he loses half of his fleet. He comes back. And he says, basically, you know what? I'm not going back down there. But supposedly this Nazi bell was attacking them. Um, and then they came back. And he even gives a, um, a little interview at some point. And he's talking about how, you know, there's stuff down there. It's not worth it or whatever. But then that leads into the Nazis had taken that technology, bought it back, and were trying to work on it. And they were putting so much effort right. into it that they had, um, they were losing the war, but they couldn't develop this fast enough to win the war. And if you do your research, you will find out right. that there were um, stories about big metal, concrete, circular dock stations, I guess you could say, in, in certain areas. And some of the people that work there claim that they would have a bell connected to it, chained to it, because they were testing it out. And those, supposedly, those concrete structures still exist. Um, 
and then you get into, you know, when they folded, when they lost the war, um, the United States, Operation Paperclip, brought all those scientists over, um, Warner Von mm-hmm. Braun, you know, right. he was aware of UFOs, um, he was one of the people that said that you're going to have our government have all these false flags, one of them is going to be terrorism, you're going to be fighting Russia, the terrorists, and then at some point, you're not going to have anything left, so they're going to start fighting aliens, and have false flags against aliens, oddly enough, you know, that's kind of the vibe you're getting today, because you have all these people coming out saying, now, in, you know, 2020, 2021, that there are threats mm-hmm. out there to our, our right warfighters, you know, because they're getting into our war space and stuff like that, you know, Admiral Fravor, the whole Tic Tac thing, um, the three videos that they released here not too long ago, um, you have Dr. Stephen, Stephen Greer, who's pretty right. saying, hey, it's just a false flag, don't pay attention to it, you have um, Dr. Piaz, who works for um, the Navy, who has all of these patents on, you know, stuff that levitates. Um, one of them happens to be shaped like a Tic Tac, so there's a theory that these Tic Tacs that are operating with impunity in our area are actually made by us. Um, then you have these other people that theorize that um, that there's an underwater base, you know, off the coast of Catalina somewhere. It just goes deep. It goes so deep. So, yeah. So, An underwater base in Catalina, over in Catalina Island. There is a, um, a research island that nobody's allowed to go onto. It's just strictly for researchers to do um, studies on the ocean. Right? They see shit all the time. Um, stuff comes out of the water. They see lights everywhere. It's pretty consistent. So they sent a group of people down there. It was the TTSA. Um, to the Stars Academy, they sent Lou Elizondo down there, and he did all this research. They come from that area, and you also have um, a bunch of people talking about, you know, underwater um, UFOs um, that they are basically underwater. They can scoot through the water like it's nothing. Some of the things, like when you know the Nimitz occurred. They were getting pings off of stuff underwater, not just up in the sky. Um, and they were traveling like it's nobody's business. Um, I mean, it's just a, such a vast subject. We can go on for days. So, you, when you see all these different, like when you have a big picture of all these different occurrences, and you look at all the stuff, I mean, you're talking from ancient times, ancient civilizations, you know. Atlantis, right. Um, Atlantis. The Mayans. All um, the Mayans. And Egypt. All the similarities to religion. And you look at all the weird stuff that's happening. You take a step back. Wasn't there a... Isn't there a tie to a Hindu? Something or other that we saw on one of the, these documentaries about the Mothman. And having to do with um, John Keel. Because didn't he want to name his book something else, not the Mothman Prophecies? It was like Hindu something, Hindi something. 
he did. But he said that it had a similarity to something that was connected to something having to do with you know, Hinduism. He, I haven't done a whole lot of research on Kilo, but from what I know, he was into all of that stuff. Like he researched a ton of shit. So he would look at that really obscure. But I mean, he could be on the same on the same path as what you're talking about. I don't know how I got on this path. Right? But yeah. I don't think, I think people get stuck <laughs> in the weeds. They look at particular things. Like some people will just focus on abductions. Some people will just focus on lights in the sky. Some people will just focus on cryptids. Right. They won't look at the bigger picture. They won't, they're afraid to make opinions or have ideas about what it is and how it's interrelated. They just want to collect the facts and then present the facts. But they don't, they don't correlate all of them. They don't bring it together and wonder why these things occur the way they do. Maybe these stories are interrelated with these stories and something, you know, they don't look for connections, which I think we do, which is what makes us a little different. So, who knows? Sorry, I didn't mm-hmm. know No, it all connects. Let's see. I'm going to find it. So, yeah, it has to do with a um, specific uh, god and goddess. And. I mean, if you. I haven't um, researched it a lot, but I know that there are. There's gods, and there's gods that fly through the air. There's, they have wars and battles in the air. And right. That plays to the UFO thing. And there's a theory that, you know, these beings have been on planet, on Earth, much longer than we have. Um, that they come from, some of them come from Orion, Pleiades which is, you know, what is the middle star on the belt. Um, So then you look at, you know, the Egyptians. Why Mm -hmm. were they so obsessed with Orion? You know, why did they build the Giza, all those those pyramids, to directly map out Orion on Earth? You know, everybody, how did they know so much about the stars? How could they be such amazing astronomers get all the measurements transferred from space which they couldn't really see because they didn't have telescopes how are they getting that information on earth how are they making it work here and why are they paying homage to that star system you know you don't see the little dipper out there you know the geese plateau you see orion you know everything lines up with orion and there's a lot of places all over the place that, you know, have, you know, there's solar, you know, they have the sun, comes up, comes back, the equinox, all that stuff, everything lines up north and south. The, the, the astronomy that's used on some of these primitive buildings is just phenomenal. You know, how could they do that? How did they do that? So then you start talking about people who do remote viewing, right? And then you get into higher consciousness and all this other right. stuff and, and, and astral.
astral projection and all that. So then you're thinking to yourself, well, I mean, were these Egyptians remote viewing? Were they astral projecting out into space? Did they have aliens or something communicating all of these coordinates to them or showing them, you know, what was going on out there? I don't know, but you got to wonder, where did that information come from? It is. See, and this the the Mothman. See, he's like the unifier of all of this. <laughs> right. So. Okay. Well, I'm gonna go with fact. You're gonna go with you believe it. Yeah. I think I think it, it delves into so many different things that. Okay. I mean, it has, something has to be real. Something has to be going on. Right, because it's just about a larger phenomenon happening, that's all. Okay. Okay, you guys, well, thanks for uh, listening to us uh, ramble with our theories on the Mothman and hopefully enlightening you with some new facts. And uh, maybe you guys can have a conversation about that amongst yourselves. And let us know if you guys have any questions or comments or extra research that you want to let us know about. See you later. <laughs> All right, you guys. Thanks for listening.